Today's scripture is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So the goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. All right, kids, you can make your way out. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can find your way to that passage there, the 23rd Psalm. As we look to finish our series this for the summer, this truth-shaped life and understanding what it means to live a life that's shaped by the truth of God. Once again, I would like to introduce myself. I don't know if I know everyone. I'm Kyle Black, pastor here um, with Watershed, and we're glad that you have chosen to worship with us. We understand that it is a choice, and that we're thankful that you have, have chosen to join us and to proclaim his glory and his excellencies, make his name known. And that's what we've sought to do this summer in this series, Truth Shape, just understanding how we are to look at the word of God, look at the truth, and then how that affects our life. Because if it doesn't affect our life, then there really is no purpose in it. That if it doesn't shape the way we live our life, it doesn't change the way we look at people, the way we live our lives, then is it really worth looking at? Is it really worth holding it to the high standard of scripture that we do? And so we've, we've looked through all summer through this, and we, we come to the conclusion of that this week, and just kind of understanding a, a truth-shaped life. You see there the title, Truth-Shaped Comfort, just because if, if I was to come to you, or if someone was to come to you uh, today and say that I'm going to offer you a, a, an opportunity, I've got an opportunity for you, and it's going to change your life, and it's going to make it to where you live your life so that you're without fear, without doubt, without anxiety, there, there'd be no misgivings, that, that people would be honest around you, wouldn't you jump at that chance? Absolutely, right? If you, if you wouldn't, then we kind of question, wait a second, what are you doing? Because if you could truly have a life of no fear, anxiety, doubt, that, that people were honest and everything, we would jump at that life. We, that's what we all desire. That's what we all seek. We, we pattern our lives around comfort. We pattern our lives to, to make us feel to where we have no fear. We have this perception to where there's less anxiety in life. We want people to be honest in, in what we do. We don't want to have doubt in the choices that we make. We want to be able to, to stand firm and walk firm in, in the life that we've chosen. And we would jump at that chance, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be like, sign me up now. I can leave everything else. I'll just go, we'll figure out the details later. Just take me. Right? Wouldn't you do that? But what is interesting is that's exactly the life that, that David is describing in Psalm 23. And it's such, a, it's such a popular one. Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher, said that the 23rd Psalm is the pearl of the Psalms. It's the, the choice pearl. It's the one. And there was a, a British Anglican pastor, uh, J. Stuart uh, Perron, said that he observed that there's no psalm in which the absence of all doubt, misgiving, fear, and anxiety is so remarkable. 
And so he said that in a book that he wrote about the Psalms. And he said that there's not another one that the, the lack of fear, doubt, anxiety, misgiving, all of that, there's not another one that is more remarkable than this one. And so when we look at this idea that we would all want comfort, we all seek comfort. We all, we all see, don't, don't you? Do, you? do you try to make choices that it's going to make your life easier? There's not many people that say, oh, sign me up for a harder life. We want comfort in that, right? You want comfort in your life. And so we finish this idea of a truth-shaped life in this series with this idea that that comfortable life is found, but it's found when we have the same mindset as David does when he writes this amazing psalm. And so what I want you to do is we go through this today. If you've heard this before, and most likely people have, even people that grew up outside of church, this is one that pops up so many times in our culture. What I want you to do is, is forget everything that you've heard. Forget all your thoughts about the 23rd Psalm, and, and let's approach it differently today. Let's approach it to how can we have the mindset that David has? What is he focusing on so that we can then shape our lives that way? Because something like, it was hard this week for me to, to forget everything and to come out and now I just want to say the same thing you've always said. But, it's, but if we can take back a second and look at it for what it is, then we'll see this beautiful picture of a life shaped by the truth that provides comfort when we affirm what David affirms. And so we're going to look at that, and there's really three ways that we see that comfort's provided through this. And the first is that there's comfort in rest. If you will, look at those first three verses with me again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And so if we look at that, we see there's this idea of rest just permeating those three verses right there. But it has to start with the first five words. And that's going to be the, the theme that we see in this, that we have to understand that the Lord is my shepherd. We have to understand that and what David does, and that's where we get even in that confession and assurance time that we do in prayer, that that's what David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's saying, I'm a sheep. And if you've ever been around sheep, they're stupid animals. Everything that happens bad to them is primarily of their own doing. And so David is acknowledging that I'm lower than this. I'm, I'm but a sheep. And here's coming from a man that was after God's own heart, the king, the one that slew Goliath. He was the champion of his people in that sense, yet he's saying, no, the Lord is my shepherd. He had this understanding that only when that's true will I be able to find rest, and only when I can find rest in that will I find comfort. We see that the Lord is my shepherd. In, in John 10, Jesus affirms that. If you look at John 10 real quick, I'll just read it to you. This whole chapter, most of the chapter of John 10 is Jesus talking about, I'm the good shepherd. But in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then later in verse 14 of John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. And so that's why we understand that we can have rest. It's because the shepherd, the good shepherd, Jesus affirming that he is the good shepherd, lays his life down for us. And when someone is willing to do that, then you understand what they've done for you that leads you to rest. And that's why David can then come and say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because he's provided everything for me as the good shepherd does. There's nothing that I lack that he hasn't given me. There's nothing that I desire. And then that, wouldn't that be amazing that you didn't have to work for anything? 
Do you ever think that? I do all the time. I'm like, man, I'm starting back to school. I'm like, oh, work. Wouldn't it be nice not to work? And then I'm like, I'd probably be miserable, honestly, as I've been pretty lazy this summer. But he's not saying that I don't have to do anything. He's saying that, that nothing that truly matters in my life am I lacking. I'm not lacking anything. I shall not want. Why? That's where verse 2 and 3 come in. He explains why doesn't he have a, a lack of anything. Because he makes me lie down in green pastures. There's an abundance of pasture. There's comfort in that. If you take the, the agriculture, if you take sheep and shepherd, the sheep aren't going to lay down where they feel insecure. Where they feel there's a threat. Well, there's, there's pests and stuff. They're not going to do that. And so for David to say, he makes me lie down in green pastures, means he's provided security and comfort in that so that you can rest in green pastures. My backyard is about dead right now. And I, I hate to say that because I like working in the yard. But we were outside last night kind of watering some of the, the grapevines that we have and everything. And I was barefoot. And it was miserable to walk on our dead grass. It just hurts, right? Even though it's mowed short, it's just dead, and it hurts, right? But then there was, there's little pockets around sprinkler heads where it's nice, and it's like, ooh, I can stand there. That's, that's what I think about this. Like, I'm going to stand in the green grass, the grass you actually like to be in. And that's what David's saying. No, we don't just stand in it. We, we lie in it. We find comfort. We find rest in those pastures. We find rest in that. He leads me beside still waters, and this is where... This week studying this, that, that one phrase right there, besides still waters, changed my whole outlook on everything within this. Because I used to, to think it's just, oh, it's still waters, what does that mean? But what we see is a gospel-centered life in that. Because on one side, you have people that live their lives like this crazy, out-of-control river, right? It's just going nonstop, and it continues to go, and they're out of control, and there's no way to get out of it. You can't swim to the side because the current's so You're just stuck in that life that just keeps going. And it's miserable. And it might be because of their own doing, but it's, but it's miserable. There's no rest in that. But you also have people on the other side that they, don't, they see, if you know someone like that, that is just going nonstop. You probably know about it because of Facebook, because we put everything on there. They're the ones that update all the time, and you're like, why are they always doing stuff? And so what do you do? You react opposite of that, and you're like, I tend to be this. I just don't do anything, Right? You, I disguise it, and maybe you do that. I disguise it. I just like being at home. Well, maybe you should get out and do some more stuff. But what happens then is instead of this raging river, this crazy life, you have this stagnant, repugnant pool of just nothing that no one wants to be around. And so what David's showing here is that because he's our shepherd and we walk by still streams, by still waters, it shows that there's a purpose to it. It's flowing. It's purposeful. It's not stagnant so much that it builds up all the filth and disgust, but it's not out of control. There's a calm purpose for it. And when it's like that, you can rest in that. You can have, we're made to rest. And only when we truly understand that a shepherd leads us by still waters, that a purposeful life, it's still flowing, it's still moving forward, that it's effective in what it does and allows us to rest and we find comfort in that rest. He restores our soul when we screw it up. When we're walking beside those still waters and we decide that, oh, well, I can start doing this or I can do that. And we jump off into this crazy rapids. He restores us back. He brings us back into the correct path. The right path. Martin Luther translated that, that part that it's the right path. Not necessarily righteous in how we think, but it's the correct path. It's the path that you're supposed to go on. 
So he pulls us back. He restores us. There's a spiritual aspect of that. It's not just a physical restoration. It's a spiritual restoration. The good shepherd brings us life. Why? Because he laid down his life for us. He leads us in paths of righteousness, the straight path. Why? For his namesake. And see, if there's two parts of this that we need to remember, that you always need to remember, is one that the Lord Jesus Christ, he is our shepherd, but it's also for his namesake. And that's what happens is we forget that part. We forget that part. We let, look what we've done in our life. We're providing all this stuff. We're doing all these things, but we forget it's not for our sake. He doesn't lead us by these paths of righteousness. He doesn't put us in still waters and give us comfort to lie down in green pastures so that we can then say, look what we've done. He does it for his glory, for his fame. That's the whole point of this. It's for his namesake. It's not our effort or our glory. That doesn't mean that we don't celebrate in life, but we celebrate because we have the good shepherd and we shall not want. That's why this is such an amazing picture of, of life because we find rest knowing that our shepherd is in control of us. Knowing that while we're wandering around feeling like no one's there, that he's watching over us, guiding us, directing us, putting his spirit within us so that we might live and that we might find rest. So where are you? Where are you seeking comfort? That's the, that's the question on this. We look at this, where are you finding rest? Is it in you or is it in him? Is it in your effort or is it in the shepherd's effort? Where do you find that rest? You see, that's Jesus, he wants us to go to him. That's what he says in Matthew 11, right? He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, right? I'll give you rest. We should seek rest in him. And when we seek our rest in him alone, then we find the comfort that we all seek because we realize it's not a part of us. That it's given to us. And this is what David realized so many years before Jesus actually was born. That in God alone do we find comfort through rest. But if we keep reading, we see that, that in God alone we find comfort and security. Right? If, we, if we're going to rest, we have to have security. That's what we, we talked about. And that's where you get in verse 4. Look at, look at verse 4 there. He says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What an amazing description there. So we're going to rest and find comfort there, but we're also going to rest, be able to rest, because we find security in the shepherd. Matthew Henry wrote, talking about that verse, that, that we need to focus on the, the part where it says the shadow of the valley. And he quotes it, that the shadow of the serpent nor the shadow of the sword are actually what inflicts the injury. Neither does the shadow of death conquer us. And that's why this is an amazing picture, is that this, we're not walking through the actual part of it. We're through the shadow of it. It's a mere reflection. It's that what it could be is no more. So when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. Why? Because the death isn't the end. We find security in who Christ is in the good shepherd. We walk through the valley. If you, we went to Colorado this the couple, uh, about a month ago, and you get up on the mountain, you see the valleys. What's in the bottom of most of the valleys? That's where all the grass and the nice part is, isn't it? So if you look at this, we're walking through the valley the, the best part about death is what we're walking through, and the reason is because we, we, we make it out of that valley. Death isn't the final thing. So we shouldn't fear no evil because we know that we're walking through this valley, and eventually, because the shepherd leads us through, we go to greater things. 
It's not the end. Death isn't the end. And I used to be so afraid of death, if I'm honest. Because it was a control thing, the more I think about it. I didn't understand it, but it's control if we think about it. It's the one thing that's common to everyone that we can't control. And so when we look at death, we have to understand that in our shepherd's care, we're secure. Therefore, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because there's nothing that can overcome that. Death is actually a transition into something greater. We don't have to fear death. It doesn't mean that we celebrate and want to do all It's not that, but we, don't, we understand that we're not made for this world, and death has now become the passage through that. And that's why we can affirm with Paul when he says, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? Because Christ has conquered that. Our shepherd's gone before us in that, and he lets us walk through that. That's why we say your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If you think a shepherd, their staff one, is if you're counting your herd, you're going to use the, the staff, right? They're going to pass through. They're going to be counting each one. So we can take that and understand that it's comfort in his rod and staff because it, it's a way where he knows us. We were going through Nehemiah. We talked about that. Every time we got these lists of names that we don't like to read, it's important to remember that those lists are there because he knew them. He knew those people so much so that he wanted it written down in his truth to know here's what I did in these people's life at this point in redemptive history and the same as for us. Our shepherd knows us. We know him. We know him and he knows us. That's what's an amazing picture of this. There's security in that and that security leads to the comfort that we all want. James Montgomery Boyce says that we are never so conscious of the presence of God than when we pass through life's valleys. When we get into those low points and we see that maybe it's going bad, that's when we're most conscious of what God's doing in our life. And that's what David's saying here, is that we're going to walk through the valley, the shadow of death. It's a mere shadow. It's not going to inflict near what it could, near what it's going to inflict on those that are outside of Christ. But yet his rod and staff comfort me. Why? Because we understand where he's taking us. We understand that he's gone before us. He's cleared everything out. All the dangers are gone. The pasture is good for us. And he leads us there. There's comfort in that. That's why we can say, along with David, that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's fought off the evils with his staff and conquered that. He knows us. He's counted us his own. And there's comfort in that security knowing that he did what we couldn't do. The evils and the curse that we brought on ourselves because of sin, he conquered. He took away. And that security is not found anywhere else. It doesn't matter what you do. But we all try, don't we? Do you try to find security and, and, and stability in your life? If you're seeking outside the good shepherd, then you're never going to find it. You're going to keep going. You're going to keep going. And comfort is never going to be found because it's only found in him. It provides us security to know that we have the good shepherd and that security gives us comfort in life that's not found anywhere else. And then ultimately we know that that security is there because we find comfort and victory. We find comfort and victory and that's where we end this amazing psalm. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. That's a victory celebration. You don't sit down with a big feast in the middle of war. You can only do that if the enemy's been conquered. 
And so you put that in there and you look at it, it's prepared before me. So it's sitting before him. He didn't have to do anything. He sits down at a table planned for him. Because the victory, the battle's been won. If you look over in Revelation, what happens? He wins. And we see what's to come. We see what's to come. You prepare a table before me. Everything is within our reach. Everything is within our reach because he's prepared it for us. He's placed it there. He's set the table before us, both physically and spiritually. He takes care of us physically, but also spiritually. It's prepared before me in the presence of our enemies. It doesn't matter how close evil is around us because we're secure in that because the victory's been won. We can find comfort in that knowing that he's fought the battle that we were incapable of winning. My cup overflows. He wants us to have an abundant life. If you go back over to, to John 10, I read earlier, John 10, verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. But if you go right before that, in John 10, 9, verse 9 and 10, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. Remember, he's, Jesus is talking about he's the good shepherd here. And then verse 10, it says, the, key, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. My cup runs over. It's an abundant life. It's an extravagant life. He anoints our head with oil. When you see the, the story of Jesus and the lady that washed his feet with the oil, they, they talk about, they reference that you didn't wash my head, you washed my feet. Because that was a common thing. It was an extravagant lifestyle thing. It was an anoint people. That was a a sign of that. And so when David says that, that you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows, there's an extravagance that's not found anywhere else. And to have a person like David, the king, that could have had everything in his life to say my cup overflows because the Lord is my shepherd makes us realize the impact that it has in our life. That we don't have to be the most wealthy. We don't have to be the greatest thing here in life because our shepherd has done for us. He's won that battle for us. We find comfort and victory. Why? Because he's prepared a table for us. Our cup overflows because of him. And that's where you get the surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. It's a security that's involved in that that leads us because we have victory. In Christ, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That it's going to happen. That there's not going to be a point to where that doesn't happen. That's the assurance that we have. We talk about confession and understanding who that is, but we celebrate the assurance that we have in Christ because surely goodness and mercy are going to follow us all the days of our lives. Because he's there. He's the constant. It's going to go along with us. There's a continual progression of us living a life through what the shepherds provide us that's going to continually grow and amass. Why? Because surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He's gone to prepare a place for us. This abundance of life and he's gone to prepare a place for us. That's what Jesus says to us that I've gone to prepare. In my Father's house there are many rooms. And I wouldn't have told you that if I wasn't going to come back and take you there. And to be with him is to be with the Father. And so when we look at this understanding and we see this amazing psalm, we see that only if we affirm that the Lord is our shepherd do we realize the benefits that we have because of that. If you look at Psalm 22, 
Also, David, the whole theme is about why have you forsaken me? And then at the end, the last verse, the last verse, verse Psalm twenty-two, thirty-one says, They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to the people yet unborn that he has done it. It's happened. He's died for us. It's happened. And now, listen, so what we find in Psalm 22 is this, this picture of Christ dying for us. In Psalm 23, we see the benefit of that. That's why it's such an amazing thing. This is the benefit of being united with Christ in one because of his death. Because he is our shepherd and we shall not want. And when you look at it that way, you realize the comfort that that life brings. It's not found anywhere else. It's not found anywhere else. And that's when you realize when that it's for his name's sake, that it's not just for our comfort. He's not here for our comfort in this life. He's here for our comfort with him in eternity. It's not just this magic thing that we say, oh, I need this, and he gives it. No, he's provided everything that we need through his death and resurrection so that we might live. And when we understand that, there's a comfort that can't be found anywhere else. Even though people seek it, they're always not able to achieve it or it's not sustaining. And so I pray that as we live our lives, I pray that we affirm along with David that this is an amazing picture of a comfort life that we see here in the truth of God's word that he is our shepherd and we shall not want. And if we will live our lives with that reality, then we can affirm that better things are yet to come because of who he is, not because of who we are. Let's pray.